You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Nittany Lions. It's Thursday, September 6th, which means we are just two days away from Penn State's prime time battle with Pitt this weekend at Heinz Field. We're going to continue to talk about that matchup on today's show. Uh, Pretty much right off the bat here, we're going to be joined by Audrey Snyder of The Athletic, who's going to break down that matchup, and we're also going to get into some discussion about K.J. Hamler and Miles Sanders, two of Penn State's most exciting young players who who were pretty good in their 2018 debuts last Saturday against App State. Uh, later in the show, Audrey's going to stick around. We're going to play up or down and get her take on, on a few things heading into Penn State's game at Pitt on Saturday. And then to wrap up the show in our final segment, we'll have a countdown of Penn State's top five wins over Pitt in the, uh, the 98 meetings these two teams have previously had. So we'll have all that coming up on today's show. Real quickly, before we get into things, I just want to remind everyone that they can subscribe to Locked On Nittany Lions on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. We really appreciate it if you leave us a rating, a review, uh, and also if you follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. Also can be found on Facebook. Myself, Stephen Pianovich, can be found on Twitter at S Pianovich. That's S P I A N O V I C H. So you can get all your questions, comments, uh, compliments, or complaints, whatever you have, uh, directed toward me or in the show there on social media. All right, so now we are going to get right into things here with Audrey Snyder of The Athletic. Audrey is joining us from State College. Audrey, how are you doing, and how are you enjoying Pit Week so far? You know, it's going as, uh, I guess, as one would expect Pit Week to go at this point. You know, a little, little back and forth between the fan bases on social media as we've grown to accept at this point. Yeah, the mentions are always uh, one of the mo- more interesting places during during this week. And I, I just want to get your take now that some of the dust has settled from things that Pat Narduzzi and James Franklin have said on just how, how you view Penn State and Pitts, uh, the way they're verbally entering this game with kind of, kind of on the different sides of that. Yeah, definitely was. I mean, I, I think this is kind of what we've grown accustomed to in the fact that you look at James Franklin and he, he sits up there Tuesday at his weekly news conference and repeats the word Pitt probably 15, 20 times in a four-second span and says that this is their Super Bowl and that in the past he thinks his message has been misinterpreted. Um, I actually agree with what he says in that regard. And I say this, Stephen, because I've listened to this guy now for five seasons, mm-hmm. several times a week, way too many coaches' caravans, all these other things <laughs> in between. And he does say the same thing, which he admitted yesterday, right. um, and apologized for basically being kind of boring every week and giving the same answers. But that's true. I mean, that's what his message is. That's what it's been since day one. I mean, how many times have we heard Akron, 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 pit, 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 temple, temple, temple? Well, you know, whatever. It's That's how he is. And that message trickles down to the rest of the team. And so speaking, speaking with players this week, one of the things 
that came up on call even on Wednesday with KJ Handler. He said, you know, he was asked, is this a rivalry? Again, people are poking the bear here, trying mm-hmm. to get some, something to work with, I'm assuming. And Handler says, no, I don't think this is a rivalry. You know, and again, this is a kid from Michigan. So it's just, I don't know, this whole gap with 16 years in the series between 2000 and 2016 that they didn't play, these kids didn't grow up on it. I right. asked Miles Sanders and I asked Lamont Wade both about it, two Western PA guys. And Sanders said he really didn't know much about either team growing up. He wasn't a big college football guy. And Lamont Wade said he knew more about the backyard brawl than he did at Penn State. Mm-hmm. So that I get. I think that's genuine. Um, you know, it, Penn State can say every week is their Super Bowl, which I think is, uh, you know, a little overblown in the yeah. sense that if you're around this team every day, when they're going into games like they've been the last few years, you're going to that whiteout game. That week looks and feels different around here than any other week. So to me, that's, you know, your Super Bowl. That week I buy it. Um, to me, this is just the one game at a time mantra that we've heard so much. But, yeah, I guess I think it was Pitt made two players available for the media this week, so no blackout on their end. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty much status quo around here at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to have 12, 13 Super Bowls a year, but I guess I under I understand why James Franklin at least says that publicly to to not try to overblow things, but then no matter what he says it's going to be talked about somehow. Um uh, you know, Stephen, I just I just try to go one and every week with my stories <laughs> um, and just you know win win my personal Super Bowls when, when I can get them. That's hey, maybe everyone should do that and and the world would be a better place. Uh, so uh, you mentioned KJ Hamler there, uh, not so much talking about how he doesn't mm-hmm. know much about Pitt, but talking about how he can be one of the best players on this team. And I think he could become a really big star at Penn state. We saw that last week. Uh, what were your impressions of his first game in a Penn state uniform and how did he kind of handle, handle the extra attention afterward? You know, he's a really interesting kid, and I remember being out at the opening a few years ago uh, when he was out there, and at the time, Penn State was pitching this new offense with Joe Moorhead to him, um, and they were telling him, you know, all the speed, you're electric, and one of the things I actually wrote over the summer um, on The Athletic was about why KJ chose Penn State, and part of that was the fact that when he tore his ACL at IMG Academy, where he played for his senior season, uh, it was Josh Gaddis who was the first person on the phone with this kid saying, hey, we still want you, we care about you. They showed up to his school uh, at IMG a few days later, just after he had had surgery. So Penn State believed that this kid was going to come back all along, um, and they believed in him when Hamler said after the game he really didn't even believe in himself. He wasn't quite sure you know, when he'd come back. He openly said he had doubts, um, and it really wasn't until – spring ball that he got going, you know? So I think you look at him, I think you're right. He is going to have a big role on this offense. And watching him Saturday, I mean, that kick return was one of, not only one of the most exciting plays of the game, but also just so bizarre. And the fact that he doesn't go, that he hesitates and he goes. Um, and you can t- to see the players' faces as they react and turn around, and there he is coming up right behind him. Um, to me, that play speaks volumes his competitiveness yeah. and saying, you know what, there's two minutes left. I want to take over this game. Um, I don't care if the coach tells me to stay in. I know I can make a play. And for a redshirt freshman, I thought that's a really 
uh, gutsy play. I think that takes a lot of gumption to, to come out and make that play. Um, but that's exactly what they have in him. I mean, this is a really confident kid. He was speaking this week about this dog mentality that he says he's always had. Um, and that speed is going to be tough to defend, whether it's as a kick returner, whether, you know, it's as a guy coming out of the slot. I mean, he really, I think, can give them a different element. And I, I think we're just starting to scratch the surface of what he can do around here. I do have a question about Miles Sanders, who is KJ Hamler's roommate. I know you wrote uh, in the aftermath of the App State game, wrote a little bit about that. Uh, it sounds like they're going to have a new, uh, some new stuff to hang on their wall with Miles Sanders being on the cover of Sports Illustrated this week. Uh, what how, what do you think about his debut as Penn State starting running back? And he's a guy from Western PA. Is he a, a little more amped up than some of the other guys going into this, or not really? You know, he's a Woodland Hills guy, and it's really interesting because Miles around the media is so far has been pretty shy, quiet, um, but talking to players, talking with his mom, uh, that's not who he is. And I get it. People are always going to act different when the cameras are on and when we're asking them nonstop questions. I mean, I get it. We're, we probably annoy them. I, could, I can totally get that. <laughs> um, no, but, no way. Yeah, you find this annoying shocking, right? But he is close. Sanders is close with DeMar Hamlin, and this is a guy they've trained together. Um, when he's home on breaks, they'll hang out together. So there's certainly all these connections, and, you know, he was asked after the game on Saturday, how many of these guys on the pit roster do you know? And he kind of looked down, smiled a little bit, and he's like, yeah, all of them. Uh, and that's you know, <laughs> what this game is. You'd expect that from a kid who played at Heinz Field growing up, who then played again there. Um, for a Whoopi Old Championship. So he said he's going to try and get as many tickets as he can. I mean, it'll be a big showing. And I'm sure for the Western PA guys, this does mean a little bit more. I mean, I think if you look and you think about even high school rivalries, stuff like that, you know, it comes into play when you got geographic territories. Um, so I think definitely. And the thing that surprised me with the debut with Miles Sanders was the fact that he only had seven carries in the first half. And I asked James mm-hmm. Franklin about that after the game and said, you know, did you kind of have a number in mind for him, finished with 19 carries? And Franklin kind of scoffed it off and said it was about the offense and, you know, because of the RPAs, you can't always predict it. Um, I know that they go into games having a plan in mind and saying, okay, maybe, you know, the starting back goes the first two series and we rotate. Or maybe it's, you know, we give this guy three series and it's one, whatever. Um, so for whatever reason they went that route. Um, you know, there are a couple of short yardage plays that stood out to me where I'm thinking, okay, you know, critical plays, third and two, third and three, you'd think Miles Sanders would be in the game, and he wasn't. So I thought that was kind of surprising. But then you see Ricky Slade, you know, shoot through there like a cannonball and score a touchdown, and you say, okay. Um, mm-hmm. Mark Allen, I thought, had a nice short yardage run where he just kept his legs churning to pick up the first down. So They've got guys there, but I would have liked to have seen more of a bigger workload for Sanders because so much of what he spoke of in the offseason was it takes him a while to get into the flow of the game to feel comfortable, and I felt like we didn't really start to see that until late in the game, um, and then he, you know, he gets into overtime, and, and then from there, okay, you get two touchdowns from him in the fourth quarter and overtime combined, and it's like, okay, this guy looks like how you expected. So we'll have to kind of monitor his yeah. volume moving forward, but all in all, really solid debut for him. Yeah, I, I could even 
think he might have a bigger role uh, at Pitt this weekend. Uh, and one other Pittsburgh native who played at Penn State I want to ask you about is Justin King. I know you just released a story on The Athletic on Wednesday about King, obviously the former Penn State cornerback. He is now back with the program as an assistant recruiting coordinator. Uh, he's a guy with an NFL pedigree and knows what it's like to be recruited uh, by a lot of top schools. How much is he helping this staff, and how much are players able to relate with someone who's only in their early 30s? You know, to me it was really interesting because Justin was hired, I believe it was May 2017, and it really flew under the radar. Uh, Penn State kind of mentioned it once, that was it. Maybe around signing day, you know, we'll hear a very brief snippet of it. He's never been made available to the media since he was hired. So it's really totally a behind-the-scenes kind of role. But you show up to these, you know, recruiting camps, prospect camps. You see him basically parading prospects around the sidelines at games. And you start to get a picture of what he's doing. And one of the things that, you know, kind of caught my attention and the reason I had this on my radar was talking with prospects this summer, you could see, you know, the way Justin interacts with them on visits during camps and that kind of thing. Um, and that was one of the things that the kids were telling me. The prospects was, yeah, we like Justin. He's relatable because he's 31. He listens to the same kind of music we do. Um, he went to Penn State. He was a highly touted recruit, so he gets what it's like to be one of us. So I think for Penn State, that is a really big selling point. And it's certainly maybe a lesser known detail, it's behind the scenes. And James Franklin had said that their recruiting staff as a whole doesn't get enough uh, recognition for what they do. I mean, I think you watch and you see all that goes into an official visit weekend and just regular weekends. And you're at the point in the season now where the coaching staff, their attention is totally divided. You know, James Franklin, I asked him about it and he said, maybe this time of year you're 80-20 or 75-25 in terms of your current team and game planning versus recruiting. So mm-hmm. these are the guys who keep this thing running. And Justin King, no doubt about it, is a huge part of that. And um, I mean, when he picked Penn State in 2005, it was interesting to look back at it and just what a big get that was from a program that at the time, you know, was on the decline and needed to turn around. So that was, was really huge. Um, and, yeah, so you just kind of go from there. And then, of course, with Terry Smith being here and being a stepfather, there are all these connections, but yeah, that's certainly one of uh, maybe one of the lesser known things that's happening right now within the recruiting department. Yeah, it was certainly something I didn't know about. So I encourage all Penn State fans to check that out on the Athletic uh, Audrey story about Justin King, and it definitely helps to have a millennial recruiter in 2018. I think <laughs> you know, because we're just really tough to relate to. You know, or. We're never working long hours. We're lazy, right? You know, entitled. He's probably he's probably <laughs> Snapchatting and Instagramming. I don't hear I don't even have Snapchat or Instagram, and I just turned twenty nine this week. So, tell me and accept. <laughs> oh well, happy belated birthday, by the way. Thanks. You know, I, I would have no better way to spend my birthday than at a Tuesday Franklin press conference. That's oh, that's that's great. Well. Audrey, we're going to keep you on the line. We're going to step away for a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to play a little up or down about this weekend's game at Pitt. Stay with us here on Locked On Nittany Lions. Ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, 
who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and my bookie's mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today with my bookie. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar on deposits up to one thousand dollars. Use promo code on college. That's O N C O L L E G E to activate the offer. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, we are back on Locked On Nittany Lions. We still are joined by Audrey Snyder of The Athletic. We're going to play a little up or down on a few statements about this weekend's game at Pitt. All right, Audrey, first statement. Penn State fans will make up more than half of the crowd at Heinz Field on Saturday night. Are you up or down on that? I am up on that. (laughs) I I firmly believe uh, Penn State fans, as we know, they travel well. They're going to be out there. Um, Pitt fans probably didn't make it too easy for them to get tickets. I think, you know, again, the season ticket route. And I believe student tickets were even like 140 bucks. I believe I was reading this week. Oof. But I think, yeah, the, given the proximity, Penn State people are going to be there and they're going to go in droves. Yeah, yeah. It's not hard to get, not super hard to get to unless you want to get in the parking lot before 5 o'clock. So I, I kind of, I'm with you there. And I think a lot of Penn State fans will show up. Um, Next statement here, Penn State's defense will hold Pitt to under 25 points. Are you up or down on that? I'm down on that. Um, I, I think that this, this defense was problematic week one, and who knows what Kevin Gibbons' availability is. I asked James Franklin about it, and he said, yeah, he hopes he'll be back, but it wasn't really uh, very reassuring. Yeah, he's certainly going to be on the field. So take that for what it's maybe worth. Um, I just think until they can generate a consistent pass rush, Kenny Pickett's a really good quarterback, and we saw Penn State have so many issues with Pitt's speed a few years ago that was really really problematic for them on the speed sweeps and those sorts of things. But I just think mm-hmm. Pickett, as a passer, um, again, against a secondary that also looked shaky on Saturday, I think Pitt can score more than 25 points. Uh, Penn State definitely has to tackle better this week, no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Going over to the offensive side of the ball, Trace McSorley will account for at least three total touchdowns in this game. Up or down on that? Uh, I'm a little up with that. I think think he's going to count for three because Mm -hmm. you see so much of what he does with his legs. Now, again, who knows if Tommy Stevens factors in this week. We have to wait and see on that. Um, That could, could make me adjust my prediction a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Stevens at least was dressed for the game on Saturday, even though he didn't play and it didn't look like they had you know, even any indication that he was going to play, if he returns this week, that could slide that number. But I think definitely Trace McSorley, don't think for a second this guy doesn't remember what happened here two years ago. I mean, I think yeah. if, if there's one player who really thrives on that kind of thing on this roster, I think it has to be McSorley. 
Yeah, yeah, and he had he's had big games against Pitt both the last two years. Obviously, they were throwing a lot in that 2016 game, but he threw for 332 yards. Last year, the, the passing yard number wasn't big, but he had three touchdowns on, I think it was only on 15 completions. So he, he's found a way to beat Pitt both – or to put up a lot of numbers against Pitt in both the last two years. Uh, okay, Audrey, last up or down, a pretty simple one. Penn State heads back to State College 2-0. and Are you up or down? I'm up on this. I think this, this team has enough talent to get it done, but they also have to play better than they did week one. And granted, App State was a good team. I think a lot of people maybe kind of brushed that off because it's week one and they didn't understand, you know, that this was a good App State team with a quarterback who played out of his mind. But you look at this roster and I just think, they've got to perform better. They've got to execute better. Um, you know, I was surprised that John Reed and Amani Warrior with you know, Warrior minus the interception, those guys did not play all that great. And we've seen that they're better, you know, they're capable of playing better. And James Franklin said John Reed has knocked some rust off. So I think we'll see this defense take at least a little step forward. Um, but again, should they get Kevin Givens back, I think that would certainly be a big boost as well. But I do think they have enough to get it done. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you there. I think it could be another another close game or at least a one-score game in the fourth quarter. And, and But I think Trace McSorley will find a way to get another win here at Heinz Field. Oh, Audrey Snyder, I hope you go 1-0 this week too. Safe travels uh, to and fro Pittsburgh. We'll talk to you again soon here on Locked on Nittany Lions. Sounds great. Take care. The wait is nearly over. Football is almost here, and that means it's fantasy football season again, and FanDuel has never been more fun or easier to play. If you are not a fantasy expert, then FanDuel is clearly the best place to play. FanDuel has something for everyone, and there are more ways to win than ever before. Don't believe us? How's this sound? This season, FanDuel is running a free $250,000 Survivor Contest. This is the biggest free Survivor Contest ever. Here's how it works. You pick one team to win each week, and you can't reuse that team again for the rest of the season. This locks before week one, so don't miss your chance to sign up now. To get into that free $250,000 Survivor Contest, just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Plus, new users get a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit. Make sure to visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today. All right, we're going to close out today's show with this week's top five, and I'm going to be counting down Penn State's top five wins over Pitt's all time. Penn State has 51 victories in the series against the Panthers, but but these five stand out a little more than the others. All right, number five is 1968. Penn State was a 65-9 to winner over a very lousy Pitt team. At Pitt Stadium, obviously not a great game, not really a nail-biter, but this is the most points that either team has scored in this series. Penn State just demolished Pitt uh, in a late November game. Penn State was number three uh, at the time. They went on and finished 11-0 that season and beat Kansas 
Yes, Kansas in the Orange Bowl. Pitt went 1-9 in 1968. Not a very memorable season. All right, next game, number four on the countdown, is the 1989 game. That's when Pitt or Penn State beat Pitt 16-13. to Penn State had back-to-back losses in the series going into this game. Uh, it was also in Pittsburgh. And the week before, in the 1989 season, Penn State had lost a one-point game to Notre Dame. Penn State also had a one-point loss earlier in the season to Alabama, and they lost that game because they had an 18-yard field goal blocked uh, against the Crimson Tide, but in this game, in the final minutes, Penn State's kicker, Ray Tarasi, hit a 20-yard field goal uh, that beat Pitt for the 16-13 win. Staying in the 80s is n- number three on the countdown is Penn State's 1982 win. It was a 19-10 win over Pitt uh, in front of 85,000-plus at Beaver Stadium. <clears throat> it was Penn State's final home game in that 1982 season when, when the Nittany Lions won their first national title. Uh, Penn State and Todd Blackledge beat Dan Marino. It was for the second straight year that that happened. Penn State kicked five field goals in this game. Maybe not the most exciting game on the field, but it finished out a regular season for Penn State where they were 10-1 and and then went on to beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl to win the national title. All right, number two on this countdown, 1977. This game was played in a snowstorm in in Pittsburgh. Uh, According to an article from PennLive who revisited the game a few years ago, Penn State quarterback Chuck Fusina... Uh, and his mother both received some threats before this game from Pitt fans, one of the uglier sides of this this rivalry. Uh, Penn State won the game in horrible conditions, and Matt Millen, who you may remember from calling the App State game on the Big Ten Network, Matt Millen made a big play to stop Pitt on a two-point conversion attempt to keep Penn State's lead intact late in that one, and they held on for a two-point win. All right, number one on this list, I think most longtime Penn State fans know what's coming here. It is Penn State's 1981 blowout win over number one Pitt. This is one of the best wins in Penn State history. They just they blew out the number one team in the nation on the road, and they did it after getting down 14 to nothing early in this game. Penn State. Uh, Looked great in this one. Todd Blackledge threw for two touchdowns, 262 yards, also ran for a touchdown. Penn State had four interceptions against Dan Marino, which is crazy. Uh, They also recovered three fumbles in that game. So Penn Penn State forced seven pit turnovers, turned this game into a blowout. It snapped a 17-game winning streak for Pitt. And uh, it was Penn State's first win over a number one team since... The Lions beat Ohio State in 1964. So I think a lot of older and uh, longtime Penn State fans remember that one. Maybe Saturday night's game will also be pretty memorable. We'll find out in just a few days. Uh, But that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Nittany Lions. We'll have a little bit more discussion about Pitt. Also some talk about Saquon Barkley and his what to expect in his NFL rookie season on Friday's show. If you've missed any of our shows this week, previewing the Pitt game or recapping the Appalachian State game, I encourage you to go back and listen to them through our archives on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. They can, uh, you know, it'd be good to stock up on some before you make that drive to Pittsburgh this weekend. 
Uh, but we'll be back tomorrow to discuss a few more things and get you ready for the weekend. I'll talk to you then.